Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today is Friday, March 4th, and this is Celtics Beat on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. I'm Adam Kaufman, episode 450, featuring the voice of the Boston Celtics radio network, Sean Grandy, is powered by BetOnline.ag. Go to BetOnline.ag today, use the promo code CLNS50 for a 50% sign-up bonus. All right, let's get into it. Another new edition of Celtics Beat. Adam Kaufman, Sean Grandy, good friend of the program, and of course, a voice and face familiar to, uh, I imagine, everybody who is out there listening or watching this show. And uh, always good to have Sean here with us. But it's especially good when things are going good, as you might say, and things could not be going better for the Boston Celtics right now. They have won 13 of 15 sees with their recent run and a whole lot of success coming off of that win Thursday night against John Morant and the Grizzlies and what was a pretty entertaining game at the Garden if you were fortunate enough to be there. Sees are now up to fifth in the Eastern Conference and it's just a jam-packed East. Only two games behind both the Sixers and Bulls for second in the conference, four and a half out of first. Sean, this is a good time, huh? Was new addition to the podcast a reference to the guests we had at the game the other night before the, uh, before the concert? <laughs> Uh, what was new addition at the, I, I imagine being the, the Boston yep. boys, they are, oh, they were absolutely. there, they were out the garden. Yeah. They were there for the, uh, the Atlanta game. Love that. That's so, Hey, you start winning games, start winning games and have Josh show up. You're going to have some people, uh, <laughs> the celebrities start coming out, show up in the building. Is it, I hope new edition uh, and all, all due respect to new edition, the icons that they are, obviously, especially from Boston inspiring, you know, so many of the, Hope new edition isn't like that's 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 not exactly a a huge brag for us compared to you know the celebs that would come out to Lakers game when that that team was worth watching. Remember, we used to have like Alan Dershowitz was our celebrity, <laughs> like yeah, celebrity like role. Stephen King coming out to the Red Sox games. No, the only year it was cool was during the year the Celtics won the championship. Not mm-hmm. only were we the hot new restaurant and people were coming anyway, but if you remember, which you, I'm sure you don't, there was a writers' strike in Hollywood in that 2007 era. So all the shows for 2007, eight got delayed. So Ellen Pompeo and John, you know, Krasinski and a lot, a lot of the, you know, the Boston, you got the all-star team of Boston <laughs> celebrities because like Hollywood was, was shut down. We're you get the, when we go to LA, you gotta see, have like, right. Like Matt Damon will be at the game when, you know, like we go to LA, he'll right. be there. It's the only car, the only 
celebrity bound because my wife has a profile. This is what one thing Ime and I have in common is we have like the celebrity wife, right? That's there you go. High profile thing and whatever. We bond over that. Uh, like Matt Damon's the only one who, oh, yeah, my wife's interviewed Matt Damon. And she calls me. She's like, yeah, he knows you. He's like, he's a, he's a fan of yours. I'm like, oh, finally, I get one. <laughs> but, that's a good one, though. It's a good one to have. He's a good pocket. one. Great. He's a great dude, as you can imagine. He's, yeah. he's a real guy. Let's talk about this. I mean, there's a ton I want to cover while we've got you here today, but let's start obviously with this team because the, the, the sort of the, the chorus that is surrounding this group with, with all that has gone well. And, you know, I'll, I'll give some examples here before I let you go. Like you, you tweeted uh, late last night or early this morning or whatever, as you tend to do after games, this is now a nine week, 30 game sample size. I mentioned the 26 game sample, 20 and six, but you threw out 30 games, probably a, a nicer round number. Celtics are, uh, are 22 and eight. That's fourth in the NBA tops in the Eastern conference, the best, and this is league wide, the best defensive rating, net rating, scoring mark, second in blocks, eighth in rebounds. Uh, I will add to that a, a tweet from the Stat Muse account, which is getting a lot of traction lately. The Celtics have won nine straight games versus teams currently in the playoff picture, the Grizzlies. The number is 10, the, by the way. I'm jumping 10. in to interrupt you only because they made a mistake because New Orleans is in. That doesn't count because NBC Boston picked it up last night. Okay. And it's wrong because New Orleans is in the 10th spot now in the, in the Western Conference. So it's actually 10, 10 straight. If, you're, if you could count Atlanta, Freaking if you count 9 and 10, is, you know, if you count 9 and 10 as being <laughs> – Oh, I only noticed it because NBC Boston put it up. I'm like, that's not – and I went back to look at it. I'm like, that doesn't seem right. Because if you're counting 9 and 10, right, are we counting that as playoff position or sure. – because remember, if you don't yeah, make it to the play-in – Playoff picture anyway. Playoff picture. you got to pick new words because if you don't get in from the play-in, you didn't make the playoffs. Right. So, therefore, if you're 9 and 10, are you really in playoff position? But Atlanta is in that, but so is New Orleans. So, it goes back yeah. to the first game of the, of the actual winning streak after Atlanta was New Orleans. So – well, so, all right, let's add in the Pelicans. You have them, the Grizzlies, the Hawks, the Nets, the Sixers, the Hawks again, Nuggets, Nets again, Hornets, uh, and, and Heat. And yes, some of these teams were undermanned. You know, a lot of them weren't at full strength, but still, pardon me, some, some good wins, especially, of course, you know, the Grizzlies, the Nuggets come to mind. You know, there, there are some good wins in that fold. And so the, the, the larger point of rattling off all that over the last few minutes is everyone wants to know, are the Celtics contenders true? championship contenders you've been around a while i always like to say longtime voice of the celtics you've seen contenders you've broadcast contenders whether obviously for boston or on the other side you've, you've seen the pretenders as well the teams that we sort of fall in love with in the regular season that don't quite have it when they get to the playoffs i have my thoughts on this group but you're first uh, you know how how are you viewing this team in regards to actually realistically being in the conversation to win a championship this year Here's how I'll answer that. This is my 24th year in the league. And in the first 23, if you ask me that question on March 4th, I'd have a pretty definitive answer. This year, I don't. Why? Because there's never been a year like this before. There's never been a year with the ultimate wild card in the Eastern Conference playoffs, which is the Brooklyn Nets coming out of the seven or eight seed, which they will be. That's going to make a mess of this whole thing. Combine that with the fact that we have no earthly idea and aren't until the final week where teams are going to finish. And then you can st- at this point, usually with 16, 17 games left, Max is all over my case. Who are we playing? Like project, do those projections you always do in this percent and this percent, not because he cares who we're playing because he wants to know what city we're going to be spending four or five days in, right? <laughs> yeah, of course. That's what, that's what it's about. You cannot do that this year. It is just too close. And you have this extraordinary 
unpredictability. I still think you have to, by default, Bucks Suns rematch. Go back 40 years to when Seattle and Washington played two years in a row in the finals and they split it. That's how I thought this was going to go. I had Phoenix over Milwaukee was my opening night NBA finals. And I don't see any particular reason to stray from that right now. To me, if I'm looking at it as a Celtic fan, I'm going avoid Milwaukee, Philly, and Brooklyn as long as you can. And that sounds impossible, but it may not be the way things are tracking. And I hear all the national people and all the experts going because they're licking their lips, right, at a Philly-Brooklyn playoff series. And you'll oh, yeah. hear them all. They're like, man, if that could happen in the conference finals or the second round, that'd be that could happen in the first round easily. <laughs> because the Sixers, to me, I mean, Miami, it's crazy, but Miami just keeps you know winning games and maybe they're going to hold on to that number one spot. The question is, is Brooklyn going to be seven or eight? Because you know they're going to get through the play-in somehow. So I think where the Celtics are trending, it's a long way to get to it, but this is where I think it's happening. I think the Celtics are trending in a good spot, which is into that three, four, five mix. And I think they're going to end up there probably with Milwaukee, but maybe Chicago. And if you're a Celtic fan, you're going home court advantage against Chicago or Cleveland in the first round of the playoffs. Suddenly a season that you were scrambling two months ago to just get in the playoffs. Now you've got a reasonable chance to expect to win in the first round. But here's the, the soundbite answer is this. A team that defends the way they defend, a team that is beating the living heck out of people the way the Celtics have the last two months, of course you have to put them on the list. Maybe not at the top of the list of the elite teams, but if you're looking at a team that could be Atlanta last year and be that team that gets to the conference finals that you thought had no business being in the conference finals, I think the Celtics could be it. They're the top of the dark horse list, that's for sure. My view of this team and, and like the Grizzlies win and, and beating Morant, starting to see a, a little bit, I shouldn't even say starting because I, like you, you know, we've talked about, we've, we've got a, a pretty good sample size here going back to the start of January, but I want to see like this, our expectation for Sunday at the garden, Kevin Durant's going to be out there. Kyrie Irving should be out there. We know Ben Simmons still isn't available yet. So the Nets aren't at full strength, but you know, this is a game that I'm really looking forward to even without Jalen Brown as, and, and maybe Jalen Brown does play, you know, he's still a technically a question mark, but um, that's the type of game that, you know, I want to see the Celtics go out and and beat a team that then most people do view as a championship contender. You know, most people, if, assuming the Nets, and I'm not as convinced as you are, but assuming the Nets do get through the play-in tournament and, and you know, don't fall short through running out of time or Kyrie not being available or lack of chemistry with Simmons or whatever it is that, that winds up, you know, doing them in if they're done in. I want to see the Celtics go out there. For me to totally buy in, because I know that's what everyone, you know, on, on Causeway is waiting for, is me to totally buy in. For me to totally buy in, John, I, I want them to go out and beat a team that we all view as a championship contender. That I feel like that's what's missing from those 10 games that I rattled off earlier, those 10 straight wins against teams that are in the playoff picture. Well, and first of all, that's because everyone is saying, well, so-and-so was out. Celtics win a game. Mm-hmm. Oh, so-and-so was out. That doesn't count. They beat them by 50. Like, what, what on <laughs> earth do you want them to do? So this is right. the problem. I, you know, historically, you know, the, the issue with the Celtics this year is that their win-loss record and their scoring differential, are com- there's a complete disparity between those two numbers and have been for most of the year. And people point that out. Well, they're still in sixth place. They're still in fifth place or whatever. They are. But historically, when you look at the two numbers the Celtics have that define the season, the dominant scoring differential, that and the overwhelming differential and the record in close games which is still four and 13. 
in the five-point games, which is why you have that disparity. History says, history says, differential is a better tale teller of what's going to happen, that the close game number is more of a fluke and a coin flip, that that is more likely to even out than the scoring differential one, which is a better historical indicator of who's going to have success in the playoffs. You know, that's number one. But I'm with you on the quality wins, uh, particularly on Sunday. I want to see – I think Scal may have said this too postgame after I, somebody told me that because Max and I were talking about it. We want to see Jason Tatum have a game against Kevin Durant, mm-hmm. you know, and not be the little brother anymore. Because I will tell you this right now, nobody really said it last night. I've seen Jason Tatum play every single one of his 400 games, however many he's – five top ten game he has ever played. That was a big boy superstar. I'm going to carry my team game. I don't care about highlights. I don't care about hitting deep threes. I'm going to duck my shoulder down, go to work, and lead my team to victory. I thought it was an elite Jason Tatum game, which we get accustomed to now because we're watching him every night. I thought it was very high on the list of Tatum games. But I want to see him have that game. Of course you want to see it against Durant. And the other thing, the other you know, specter of the Celtics Nets Sunday and what's going to happen is, yeah, the Nets at full strength, which we now know they won't be, Nets at full strength are a championship-caliber team. Why do we assume, Adam, why do we assume in this year of unprecedented number of players missing games, why do we think come April 15th everybody's going to be magically healthy and everybody will be at full strength? And it doesn't, it's not going to work that way. Not only do the Nets lose Joe Harris, they're not going to get him back now. We know, knock on wood, knock on whatever you knock on, hmm. name all the elite Giannis, Tatum, Name, go all the way down the list. You know, Garland in Cleveland, DeRozan. Name everybody. Are we sitting there today on March fourth saying every single one of those guys is going to be one hundred percent health? Let's hope they. Let's hope it works out that way. Sure. But it never does. So something. There's still an X factor. There's still a wild card. Something's going to happen between now and the end of the regular season that's going to dramatically affect the Eastern Conference playoffs. I want to get to a lot more with Jason Tatum. You know, I think just to tip the iceberg, some of the stuff that you were mentioning with his performance against the Grizzlies, but I had done a a call for some mailbag questions on Twitter and I'll sprinkle some in as we go. One of them from Jeffrey was, uh, I'd like to hear you rank your preferences best to worst for the C's first round playoff opponents. There's a real chance the Celts could place as high as third or as low as eighth, meaning almost all first round matchup permutations are still in play. You don't need to obviously, you know, go through every single matchup possibility because as you outlined earlier, there's a bunch, but you know, this is who you want in the first round versus the other end of the spectrum. I don't want to see them in a seven game series. Who is it? I think uh, like Evan Mobley has got like bulletin board material. Hey, Grandy said on that Adam Kaufman podcast, <laughs> yeah. that we want to play Cleveland. I'll put that up there. And the, like people, that, by the way, nobody knows what bulletin board is anymore either. <laughs> I know, uh, right? I know. It's just one of those expressions. Yeah. Where you have to get, like, it's the one that has always bothered me is how horrific must life have been before sliced bread? <laughs> that it remains to this day, the standard by which the world says it's like that. We have iPhones. Okay. That will navigate us out of like, you know, Jack Bauer can talk to Chloe from a Chechenian prison on his cell phone, but still sliced bread remains the, the technological standard. By which oh, that's a great call. Everything changed. The best. Um, yeah, I got to, you know, prepare for life. After, you know, when cancel culture gets me out of broadcasting, I've got to go into because there's none of that in comedy. So, you know, but it's true. It shouldn't, shouldn't be my next step. No, you're safe. I, I think the answer is, I think going, you know, Philadelphia, as long as you can. That leaves you Miami, Chicago, Cleveland. I don't know if we're putting Toronto in this conversation or not, but obviously the Cavaliers 
who have been unbelievably good. Front court defense. Uh, use Memphis as an example. Last night, the Celtics demonstrated the blueprint for beating Memphis, as amazing as their year has been, that they're not a shooting team, that they run up and down the floor. That's going to be harder to do in a seven-game series. Throw in the inexperience of the Cavs. That it's an amazing what they've done, and obviously they're going to be here. You got a team you can build on with those guys with Mobley and Garland. I love what they've done, but you want to play. If you the reason I mentioned Cleveland is you want to play them now, not next year or the year after when they get better and better and more playoff experienced. I think it'd be safe to say no one is expecting this Cleveland team to make a serious run in the playoffs. So by definition of what you're asking, sure, Chicago's got guys that can score in half-court situations, right, can bail them out. My question of Chicago all along was their defense. I think what Celtic fans need to remember, and I always listen, I'm always the guy saying don't run too fast, don't go in swimming after eating, the safety hall monitor here about expectations. I do it all the time because expectations just run wild here. But the Eastern Conference, you're now in the West. The last 25 years of the West, that's what the East is now. And so very good teams are going home in the first round because this is the deepest the Eastern Conference has been in a quarter century, probably beyond that. So therefore, it's going to be a tough first round series no matter what. But I think you have to go, you have to say by definition, Cleveland, Chicago, Toronto, ahead of the the superpowers. We had your uh, at least one-time broadcast partner anyway, Abby Chin, on the program last week. And, and you know, one thing that I, I said to her, and I've, I've probably made this comment to you when you were on earlier this season, obviously things have evolved since, thank goodness. But, I mean, wa- watching this team earlier this year, first half of the year, it was – it was a slog a lot of the time. It felt like work. I mean, it was a, as, as they were finding their footing, they were in, you know, not to the degree of, of, you know, maybe in, in last year at, at points, obviously when they were so stricken by injuries, by COVID, by, you know, disinterest, by whatever else. It, I mean, it was, it was, it was a hate watch for a lot of fans out there. It was it not was. enjoyable. It felt like work, you know, following this team, watching this team to where now, obviously, it's like, oh, my God, the game just ended. Can they start the next one? You know, this it, it's so incredibly enjoyable. It's such a fun experience. It's it's such a, a lovable group, and not a lot has changed. But one thing that has obviously, you know, just gotten better and better and better since the start of the year, especially since those first couple of weeks, has been this defense. I mean, the Celtics defense is playing at, at an historically great rate. It makes you think back to the, you know, to that the last banner banner 17 the 08 season that team is as as you know hard-headed and as 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 strong-willed as uh star-driven you know that team first and foremost was led by defense it was anchored by defense where does this team never mind Celtics history NBA history at least in the quarter century that you've been calling games where does this defense rank among some of the best defenses that you've seen well it's really high obviously it's up you know we're uh, so what we're talking about is that 08 09 team you have to talk about that and that team had the best defensive player of his generation who's going to have his number retired here in, in about nine days uh at the garden that's what i'll be done when i'm done with you i gotta we're going right back to work on the uh on the video for uh for kevin garnett day nice um, because i promised him i told him because i made paul pierce cry four years ago you believe that was four years ago already but i, I made him cry that day and i told kg two years ago when we announced it i saw him out in la i said that's my goal i'm gonna try to make you cry <laughs> on, uh, on, whatever, on whatever day that is. We're in an offensive era, which is what makes us more impressive. And to defend, it isn't about having the big bodies defending the paint anymore. It's how mobile and agile 
you can be. You can throw in hostile if you want just for the cliche, but that's irrelevant. Can you defend the three-point line? And can you make teams do what they don't want to do? And that's it's to defend at a high level. You're doing it in a completely different way. The same way that Dallas team a couple of years ago, the Rick Carlisle coach was statistically the best offensive team in NBA history. Offense has changed. So the defense has to adjust to it. And I think we knew this, the pieces were in place for this to be a very good defensive team. What is, I don't want to say surprising, but the fact that during this run, the reason the Celtics are now an elite team for 30 games is because they're a top 10 offense now. And that, to me, is the change. I think you can see the pieces of the defense. There were some bad games in there early in the year where they didn't defend well. But for the most part, you know, defense has been more consistent. Obviously, it's gotten a lot better. The offensive jump from one of the worst offensive teams in the league to a top 10 offense, that, to me, was a bigger leap in this, in this stretch. And that is Marcus Smart having a career year. Nobody ever wants to talk about how, how good he is on that end of the floor. Mm-hmm. And it's about pace. It's about moving the ball. And it's – we started this year, I guarantee you, in one of the first 350 episodes of this podcast, when you asked me, this season, the definition of this season, there was only one question. Can Tatum and Brown play together in a way you can build around them? So the subtle changes Marcus has made to his game and the addition of Derek White and guys like that who are going to facilitate that happening, that is why the Celtics have crossed over and become one of the better teams in the league because obviously it can work. Let's take one quick break. Tell you that, uh, of course, football is over for the season. Heck, it's combine week, but uh, basketball in full swing, both pro and college hoops. You got March Madness right around the corner, and Bet Online, our great partners here on this podcast at CLNS, has the latest odds, totals. You can head to the website, use your mobile device, sign up today to receive a fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use the promo code. It is CLNS fifty to get you started. Bet Online also your source. For hockey, for boxing, for UFC odds, baseball futures, assuming that sport ever actually does return. Plus, your favorite Vegas casino games are available to you. Bet online, your, your number one destination for all your online wagering. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, play your favorite games. Bet online where the game starts. Uh, let's, let's keep going with what you were just talking about, Sean, because this you is not keep promoting March, March Madness is the reason I don't see my wife. <laughs> so I, I shouldn't promote that what now. that means is i don't have to make the bed or like pick up stuff as much as you know that's what march madness now means to me yeah you don't become a bachelor per se but you can you know kind you of live some uh, of that bachelor live, life yeah, yeah you can live like one a little bit become Keep a on bit the of couch a yeah yep <laughs> yeah some of that's not so bad and then if you miss her you just you know i mean on tv on the and there she is yeah be perfect um some of what you were just talking about and and I think the 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 phrase that sort of rings true with it is they had certain pieces in place, the Celtics with, you know, how they were capable of of playing and, and taking their game to another level. This is this is becoming something of a of a, uh, a I don't know, a thorn in my side a little bit. You see more and more uh, a lot of really good writers or 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 talking heads on TV, radio, wherever you're finding. I, I feel like some of the analysis, there's a lot of good analysis in the NBA today, but some of the analysis surrounding this team has been a little, I don't want to say lazy, but but sort of fanfare driven, if you will, more of a celebration as opposed to analytical. And what I mean by that is, you know, we keep hearing about, look how hard they're playing or look at total team effort. And, you know, some of these sort of, sports cliches that get thrown around as opposed to 
you know, really celebrating, which, you know, nothing I'm, I'm going to say that you're not aware of, obviously, and talking about on a, a nightly basis during your broadcast, but how certain pieces fit, mesh, stylistically, systematically, scheme-wise, whatever it may be that, you know, just surrounding guys, you know, the, the best players on your team, the, the Browns, the Tatums with, you know, the, the subtle adjustments that you alluded to with Marcus Smart, you know, bringing in a guy like Derek White, putting the right pieces in place to make a fit work, to, to, to complete the puzzle. And I feel like a lot of the time we, the Royal, we, not you and I specifically, we default to, you know, man, they're just playing so much harder than they were earlier this year. And that's not what it is. That's not what you want to play. You want to say maybe playing smarter to a certain degree, but it's not playing harder. I don't think effort was an issue uh, with this team at all. I think it was, you know, again, we all want immediate. You're talking about last year or this year? I'm talking about this year. I don't think. No, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying last year at times, I think effort maybe was an issue. I never effort was an issue. Also, I mean, nobody ever wanted to hear it, but there were times that maybe effort was an issue. There were also times that long haul COVID was an issue right. last year in certain games. There was last year, just nobody really wanted to hear it. We all pretended. I thought we did an extraordinary job as a league pretending that last year was an actual season <laughs> when it really, it was just a facsimile of the season. We did sure. the best we could. And by the way, long portions of this year were, I mean, yeah, more I mean, players missed a, games a, this year. Weeks long year. stretch. Yeah, it was a long, it was a long night, a long couple of months of, wait, who's playing tonight? Like who's who's in health and safety protocols in this game? And, you know, the Celtics are about to play their 26th player, I think. And, you know, in the next game, when they, you know, the latest edition debut, it should be pointed out the Celtics had never lost a playoff series with Nick Stauskas um, on the roster. I don't know if statistically aware of that. But no, I don't, I I don't think effort was, I think that what I'm going back to is that, what happens now? You turn on your laptop and the Wi-Fi doesn't click in immediately. And you're like, I have to wait. You had a new coach, a new GM, new pieces on the roster, new everything. Wow, what a surprise that it didn't, it took half the season to of just being a good team or a decent team. That was at times obviously difficult to watch, but and now it's taken off. But we had no patience or tolerance for that. Maybe a little bit off last year. And I think, again, go back to the expectations. I've said this before. I'll say it a million times. You know, one of the few teams in the last 30 years, this scoring differential, this 35 years, this is the fourth best scoring margin the Celtic team has had in the last 35 years. You know, one of the three that was better two years ago. The bubble year. Yeah. The most unappreciated team because we call them just what you just did because you, you, you people and your labels. You know, it's like to label everything, the bubble Celtics. Most of the season – 80% of that season was played outside the bubble. Yeah, and the Celtics had an unbelievable year. <laughs> right, of, of course, and that's the point about 2020. Yeah. 2009, people forget how good that team was because they lost in the playoffs after Kevin Garnett got hurt. But 2009 was an unbelievable season, that follow-up year to, to winning the championship. But 2020 is going to be the most unappreciated season. The Celtics were in every game. It felt like that year. They got blown out maybe two or three times. They didn't have a chance to win games in the second half of the year. They had, you know, the great scoring differential. This was after they lost Kyrie and after Al Horford walked and after whatever. It was just an unappreciated year. Like, I think we're you know, the Celtics by definition are going to be unappreciated now. This team goes to the second round of the playoffs. No one's going to remember. Man, in January, we didn't think we were going to make the playoffs. January 7th, that marker you're using, which is the second half of the home and home with the Knicks, they were 11th in the East going into that game. And you got a legitimate chance now to get home court in the first round of the playoffs. So this has been a 
remarkably quick turnaround. Or maybe, just maybe, the games that everyone was losing their minds over early in the year, maybe those were the fluke. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, this, you lose a game to the Clippers by what? Five or six points. They went four for 41 shooting threes. You couldn't do that blindfolded. You're not going to miss 37 out of 41 threes. They did. That's the only reason they lose that game because they had not the worst shooting night of the year, the worst shooting night ever. The team like has ever had shooting threes. There were some flukish games that got away. And so maybe the Celtics are leveling up to where they should have been all along. And uh, I mean, I was saying it, you know, before we kind of got going, I, I agree. Like I, I don't, I don't think effort was a concern this year. I, I think, you know, Jason Tatum, I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but he was saying it after the Memphis game, you know, just asked about the turnaround as he summed it up. Well, he said, you know, new coach, new system, like you said, new everything. We had COVID, we had injuries. I wasn't making shots. You know, now I'm making shots. We don't have COVID We're you know, we're, we're, we're settling into the place and that's, that's, you know, in part anyway, a, a, a simplistic way of sort of summing it all up. And it's, it's true. It's, it's come to fruition. I think even a, I don't want to spend much time on him, but a guy like Derek White, and obviously Brad and Eme both identified this and, and even guys who have played with White in the past and had exposure to him at, you know, at the, the FIBA situation a couple of years back, like this is, you know, just a guy who comes in and, and fits seamlessly to where even if he's not out there making shots like you can as as you always do you can you can look at some of the advanced metrics even if he's not hitting his shots in as well as say you know Josh Richardson was who went the other way in that deal the offense is better when he's on the floor no doubt and obviously Derek White was brought here for a specific purpose and Brad paid a high price it wasn't like they stole Derek White from the Spurs he paid a premium to get this guy because of because of the way he fits and he had a game the other night the Atlanta game where so much of this now, we can sit here and talk about analytics and break everything down and positionally and effort and all the other stuff. A lot of this is do the shots bounce in or do they not? And that was another part of early in the year where you had the expected field goal percentage. Like when so-and-so gets the ball here, he makes this shot 48% of the time. And nine out of 10 of those numbers for the Celtics just weren't happening early in the year. And guys shooting numbers were way off. They were missing a ton of open shots. How much of that is evened out? Too, and that you have a run like last night. There were some uneven moments for the Celtics. They turned the ball over a lot last night again in the Memphis game. I don't think it was a great performance, but Al Horford's threes fell. And so that can completely wipe it away. Somebody asked me the other day, uh, I hope you don't mind, I'm not exclusive to you podcast wise, but somebody <laughs> asked me the other day about I'll get how come it. there's all these blowout games now in the league and the Celtics had a bunch of them, whatever, because it's a three point shooting league. And sometimes you're going to go eight for 40, and sometimes you're going to go 18 for 40. And that's why games that should be five or six point games become 20 point games because one night one team's got it going and the shots are falling and all you do is put yourself in best position to make those shots. And then you kind of, kind of shrug your shoulders a little bit. And the Celtics have been what they have been because they have the athletes and the willingness and the disposition to, to get back and defend and take away those, you know, the easy threes and the easy transition points. Memphis gets easy transition points at the basket. Milwaukee gets easy. They get transition threes. So you have to be able to defend the modern NBA offense. And that's what the Celtics have done. And that's why you've got the fourth best scoring differential in the league. I don't need you to be exclusive to us. I just want you to do what you do, which is, you know, when, when you're kind enough, pretend that there's nowhere else you'd rather be. Well, I mean, that's, that's obvious, right? I mean, (laughs) 
I think so. I go, yeah. I, I go where you, you guys, as everybody knows, I, I go where I'm told like, Hey, do radio here, do TV here. Here, have that. Let's have that. Let's, let's get Abby over here. Let's do this. Let's there you do go. That. That's, that's the year it's been. We have to be, we have to be malleable now on the broadcast side. One of the other things that I talked to Abby about last week that I've talked to you about that I've talked to Gorman about and you three in particular come to mind because you are the ones that are most directly, uh, you know, on, on a, a, a virtual daily basis, you know, right up close with this individual is, is, you know, we're sort of slowly getting to know Ime Odoka a little bit, you know, in, in terms of his personality, I, I, I loved that, you know, it's, it's not the first time it's ever happened. Felt like the first time in a little while, given obviously the start to the year, but you know, he's out there cracking jokes about, you know, the turnaround yeah. at halftime coming from having the, the, you know, coach of the month out there. I'm going to take credit for that in a second, but go ahead. You know, it's, it's a reminder that, you know, we're, we're not all the way back, obviously for anyone out there that doesn't know, but like, again, like Rita on Twitter had asked me, he dark horse coach of the year and I'm not ready to go there, but I, I like, obviously, you know, he, much as all the fire email stuff earlier in the year was stupid, you know, giving, going over the top with praise at this point in time, you know, probably isn't ideal either, but I do think he deserves a lot of the credit for, you know, for some of the stuff that has clicked over the last month plus. And uh, again, just to sort of circle back, I, I like that we're, he at least seems to be, and, and winning makes everything better, right? But he seems to be getting a lot more comfortable, at least with the media. And that's natural too. You know, Brad Stevens, who, listen, I, I gauge it. Obviously I'm watching all the media stuff. So I see that, but I also gauge it with my own interaction and my own seven or eight minutes before every game. And that, you know, we've had this conversation before about Brad, how that was a sort of a work in progress. And he mm-hmm. a guy, listen, it's impossible not to like the dude in real life. You know, my job is to make him more engaging on the air. And that comes, that comes with time. And it's funny. You mentioned the coach thing because my job is made like there are very few easy. You know, we've had this conversation before that I spend probably an inordinate amount of time on that segment. You know, I did for years with Brad and that was after nine years of doc and I doing, you know, doc and I could go on just cold and it was going to be a thing with us just battering each other back and forth for <laughs> seven or eight minutes. And the Brad thing obviously became what it became in the last couple of years. And pretty proud of that segment. So you're sort of, you know, figuring out, email and how it's going to work, whatever my job is made when the coach wins coach of the month. I know it is a freak because I can either start or end with my favorite question there is in the NBA, which is um, why were you so bad at coaching last month? What <laughs> yeah. did you do this month? That way, I mean, it is, we do some amazing things in the NBA coach of the month is one of the dumbest things. <laughs> like I, as I asked him, I said, does that come with like Starbucks gift certificates or it was like, a, you get your picture put up somewhere like coach of the month. And, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's just a funny thing. You laugh. He, <laughs> he told me a funny story about pop getting rid of all his coach of the month, you know, when he was like emptying out his office, getting rid of all his <laughs> coach of the month awards, because what are you going to, you know, what are you going to do with that? Uh, you know, that's another part of it. And I, it's funny you'd mention it because I do think the mask issue plays in a little bit. It's harder to get to know someone when you don't see their face. And I think fans not really accustomed to seeing it in that media situation. I know that, as a sore subject with some of the TV guys that doing those pregame interviews that even though there's nobody in the room, nobody can figure out why on earth they're still making them wear the mask because that to me makes a difference. Like, just like, as we're talking now, it would look different and it would feel different if you're trying to read somebody's eyes and their mouth or whatever, but, mm-hmm. uh, and he's, 
he's, uh, you know, he's a fun guy and he's a funny guy. And he's a super smart guy. And he's had a fascinating life, which I, you know, from time to time like to get into because his background is, is really interesting to me, but that stuff takes time. And by the way, his hands are full. He's got a, you know, a, a, a high demand job to worry about a high profile job. And the coach of the year thing is interesting because we tend to coach of the year, rookie of the year, a lot of these things we tend to, I don't want to say make up our minds early, but we put extraordinary weight on the first 20, 30 games of the year in some of those categories when it was obvious that, you know, J.B. Baker staff in Cleveland and, you know, Taylor Jenkins in Memphis, the obvious choices. And I think sometimes you kind of get married to those and you don't, I don't think my wife's going to appreciate this analogy, but you do have to look outside the decision you have made, you know, as time goes by and say, wait a minute, <laughs> maybe that's, well, you know, again, not a marriage analogy, but sure. we do get locked on, I think, early to our choices. And maybe, you know, if the Celtics end up as the number two seed and win 50 plus games and end up with the third best scoring differential and net rating and all this other stuff, I mean, how is he not in the conversation? Right. Let's go back to Jason Tatum. You were talking about him before and uh, look, everybody's talking about him. You know, they, they go, I agree with you. He played a, uh, after a slow start, played a, a great game against Memphis, the fourth quarter takeover. It was, you know, the, it wasn't at this level, but him and John ja going back and forth in that fourth quarter, sort of reminiscent of, you know, Pierce against LeBron and some of their matchups, just seeing the, all right, your turn, my turn kind of thing in terms of like, we're, we're going to turn this, this team basketball game into a, a really intense. Adam, I know you, I know you're going to get to it. I know you're going to get to it. Yeah, but and I just listen. It was fun watching Jaw. Of course, it was. But even going back and forth, even with Jaw scoring thirty in the second half, who was making winning plays? Yeah, which totally. and that was the difference. It was listen, I, I'm not with Charles. Charles is my guy, but to say Jaw had an awful game when he had thirty eight is a little. Come on, I mean, it wasn't an awful game. But to his point, Jason Tatum was making winning plays last night, and Jaw, mm-hmm. who has made a ton of them this year, was not. That there was a difference in the way they were scoring what they were doing for their teams in the second half last night, which I think is important. That's the subtle difference that I think we're talking about here with Jason. Well, and, and you've just had, never mind what he said about himself and his growth again, his, just his 24th birthday. Like the guy hasn't even entered his prime yet. You know, he's, he's, and he's accomplished so much, you know, in, in reality and just statistically in terms of guys, you know, before the age of 24, he's accomplished so much here in the league and, and being at all-star weekend, five times, three-time all-star, two-time starter now with, with this year's fill-in for Durant. And, and, uh, and so he's, you know, he's not so much, you know, we talked about this yesterday. He's not so much for reflecting on what he's accomplished. Like he's, I'll do that in 15 years when I retire, but obviously he's very appreciative of a lot of the things guys not that this is new but more and more guys like Al Horford as he's done many times over talking about Tatum's growth uh, as an individual as a leader as a person all of it and you know I I don't know I sometimes I wonder if as much as we praise this guy as much as we love this guy and hope he sticks around forever are we underappreciating a little bit of the Jason Tatum experience early on here only in the that it happens by definition when you're watching someone every day, when you're watching your kids grow up, you're not seeing them get bigger. And then when you see someone, a relative or somebody that hasn't seen them in six months or a year, they go, Oh my God, they're getting so big, but you're not, you don't see it the same way because you're with them every day. Sure. So there's, there's an element of that. But I think to me, the next, the next Tatum thing to me, and it's why I brought up the Sunday game against, against Brooklyn and Durant is, and I've seen it start to vanish that little brother 
thing that comes with young players. Like, oh my God, I'm, I'm playing against these guys. And when they come up and, you know, LeBron says to you, keep it up, young fella, or whatever, do what you're doing. Of course, that's going to mean a ton. But the next thing to me for Jason, and it's, it'll happen when it happens, it's going to, is when Jason Tatum realizes that those guys I looked at, those elite players in the NBA, the best players in the world that I patterned my game after, that I watched, that I studied, whose praise means so much to me, I'm one of them now. Mm-hmm. And when that happens, and it will happen, it's just a natural thing, it's a matter of when, that's what it's a matter of, of look out, that I'm not subconsciously deferential to the great players. I am a great player. And I'm not interested at the end of the game. I'm not interested in praise from Kevin Durant. I'm interested in beating Kevin Durant. I I really love like Iverson and those guys, you know, Kobe was like this too. He was starting to weigh in and become a mentor and (laughs) for better or worse uh, with, you know, with different guys and what he was imparting. But I love it when the older guys, because some of the older guys, you have those, there's the Mercury Morris pile, right? Like, we did this thing and we're great and we're going to celebrate when you lose and whatever. And it's, it's not the same game. Even Oakley, I don't think Oakley's like this, but the nonsense about Giannis, Giannis wouldn't yeah. be able to start. Come on. Come on. <laughs> I know. I saw it. Hey, hey, whatever. Of course, the game is different. And yeah, a lot of guys. And the one line on that, great players would adapt. People got on James Harden the last couple of years. Well, James, he just takes advantage of the rules. Guess what? He would have taken advantage of whatever rules there was because he's great. And that's what the great players do. But there's that element. There's also the element of these, you know, the, uh, so I love, I've always loved Iverson anyway, but I love this notion that he is adopting these young players to say, man, this kid is great. And I love this kid. And I want to encourage him because it means a lot. And it's the, you know, the connectivity of the game, which we see on the 75th anniversary here that we saw all-star weekend. You know, I love it. You've got to connect. That's why to me, maybe I'm helping myself, you know, finish my writing, but Kevin Garnett was an extension of what the Celtics had been and had lost, you know, in the years before he got here. And it was a thread, not just his connection to Bill Russell, which was obvious, but the way the Celtics played and being the franchise or whatever. And he brought, you know, he, he made the Celtics the Celtics again when he came back. I love when that, that bridge between the NBA generations is, uh, you know, is very visible. You tweeted something about Marcus Smart in the uh, early morning hours. His last 19 games, Celtics are 17. Oh, that's when I tweet. Uh, like people I like it. I like it. For 20-something years, I'm people watching. say, hey, can you come on my morning show? Can you, hey, can we meet for breakfast? No. <laughs> no. No, we can't. Because, but if you want yeah, an interview for, at 3 a.m. live, I'm there. I'm, I'm there. Listen, for ten, and I, actually, I do some of that stuff now because obviously what's changed in the last 10 years of my life is having a son. So – he gets up early in the morning. I've got that window where I take him to school and back. But people are like, when I get back from taking him to school, I'm going to sleep. Yeah. Because that's, the, that's the goal. Because there's a, if I didn't do that, I'd be sleeping through the second half at, you know, at 9 p.m. Like, you got to try to get five, six hours of sleep somewhere. And the sleep doctors, you know, say more. But, yeah, you're always saying, well, you tweeted this thing late at night. That's when I, the game is over. Come home yeah. and start getting ready for the next game. And that's when this stuff will pop up about when you begin your prep for the next, you know, for the next game. I appreciate it though. Cause some people might say, all right, like that, that was great. That was a fun game. I'm, you know, let's, let's put that and myself to bed and then I'll get right. up. In and the then you wake up the next morning and there numbers. you got, if you're into this stuff, if you're into the either stats or whatever that you wake up the next morning as a Celtic fan. And there you go. Grady did all this stuff for us at three in the morning. I hope he's sleeping peacefully right now. <laughs> 
So you talked about it. 17 and two last 19 for, uh, you know, smarts last 19 outscoring teams, by the way, by about 17 points. And in that span, you tweeted out the stats, 12 and a half points, about four rebounds, almost six assists, shooting 45% from the field, 38% from three. And most notably tops in the NBA in defensive rating and in net rating. So, you know, I think a lot, a lot of that we've, we've talked so much about this on this show in, in, uh, in, in recent weeks and, and months even is just, you know, obviously he's a polarizing figure. In fact, I would argue he's probably the most polarizing athlete in, in current Boston sports. And to me, and I'm, I'm, I'm right there in the fan club. So I've never been, uh, you know, on the opposite side of that spectrum when it comes to Marcus Smart, but this is, Whatever it is, the, we're finally seeing Marcus used the way he should be used, which is, you know, don't just slot him in at point guard, use him as a point guard. And they are, and he's thriving. And we are seeing the best version of Marcus Smart right now. He's having his best year, but this isn't him becoming a very good point guard isn't new to this year. This has mm-hmm. been there for the last couple of years. There were just people would focus on, listen, did he take maybe more threes than he should have? Probably. Of those extra ones sort of been eliminated. They've been eliminated. A lot of those came late in the shot clock or the ball swung around. The ball gets up the floor. If it comes quickly back out to him, it's going to be an open three. Some of those shots were late in the shot clock because the Celtics didn't get the ball. Listen, everything is connected. You know, the basketball is a game of the knee bone is connected to the thigh bone, which is, connect, <laughs> you know, getting re- defensive rebounds, getting up the floor. That's why Steven Adams works with Memphis. Getting all those, you saw it last night. Point that isn't new to what happened with the Celtics last night. Steven Adams gets his big body in there and back taps offensive rebounds. So Memphis gets extra possessions, which is why their metrics shooting wise aren't great, but they get all these extra possessions because they lead the league in steals and they lead the league in rebounding. And you saw why in the game last night. So things are all connected. The Celtics defense is connected to their offense, getting the ball up the floor quickly and getting better chances. But to me, Marcus has been a really good NBA point guard for a while. I just think people are seeing it and maybe they're focusing more on it because there aren't as many threes. There aren't as many missed shots and the things that the Marcus smart nitpickers would focus on that's gone now. So now all you're left with is this guy who everybody knows is a defensive player of the year candidate every single year to begin with. And then people are starting to say, wow, he's a pretty good point guard. Well, whenever that stuff happens, it's usually been happening for a while. And you just noticed it. So Timothy had asked, you know, can you explain what's changed in Smart's play? Why is he uh, such a more patient playmaker or, or are we just hitting shots and he's getting assists? But you would argue not a whole lot has changed. I think there's been tweaks. Getting the ball up the floor quicker. Maybe, you know, I, again, the, the, mar- the thing that's coming with Marcus games, sometimes Max and I aren't crazy about, which is the extra butter on the popcorn passes, one of which came out perfectly last night, that behind the back one to Grant you know, in his, in this corner office. But uh, I think the point guard game for Marcus, again, go back to the season. Nobody wants to talk about the 2020 season and look at the point guard play that you got for Marcus Smart that year. It was really high level stuff. But now again, the biggest difference between the Celtics in the first half and second half of the year is they're making their shots. Their shots have been better moving and the balls come up the floor faster, but they're making shots now. And that's the difference between getting five assists a game and, and seven and a half. Uh, someone had uh, also tweeted me this from uh, new Pat's order NPO. Uh, who's the unsung hero of the season and why is it Grant Williams, which segues us into this uh, Evan, our producer he just sort of thinking here, but are the Celts going to be able to afford Grant Williams? You know, is Grant Williams all of a sudden, you know, going to be a guy that commands 
Duncan Robinson $20 million a year or something like that. And, you know, my feeling, and obviously I want yours, is that obviously Grant's having a, a spectacular year. He's been awesome. I still feel like his salary ceiling is, you know, 15 mil a year, something like that. And and then people can debate how they feel about that, obviously. But I feel like that's probably the the high end of what he's looking at when he is a free agent, which we're still not there yet. He's going to be an RFA, I believe, this uh, this coming off season. I mean, what do you think of of, of what has transpired with uh, with Grant this year? I think that would be a concern. I am not. I'm just as I am. Don't run too fast to get your expectations too high. Hall monitor around here. I really hate that part of, well, Tatum's going to be a free agent in two and a half years. So what's going to happen? It's a good way to prepare, like put money in your 401k, right? To prepare for the future. Don't worry about Jason Tatum's free agency in 2026. Like I, I get it. It becomes a talking point. A lot of things can happen between now and then. And there's nothing you could do about it right now, but enjoy what you're getting from Grant Williams as he has evolved. And what did he have to do this year? He had to be someone that could hit that corner three because it was going to be there for him. And he hit it over and over again to where he's one of the league leaders in three-point shooting. Now he's on the scouting report. you got to run him off the three-point line. Is he going to evolve his game when he gets run off the three-point line? And he has done that too. And listen, his basketball IQ breaks the freaking bank. Insane how... Knowing your personnel, which is a big email Adoka thing, mm-hmm. that Grant Williams leads the league in that. And it's amazing how much better a defender it can make. Kelly Olenek was like this, too. People couldn't understand how, well, Kelly's not a good defender at all, really. And the numbers would tell you the exact opposite. Watch and understand that you can defend at this level if you are so completely immersed in the game and know what's coming and know your scouting report and are as well prepared as the coaching staff has prepared these guys. And Grant Williams fits into that mix. He's almost the new Marcus in that there's sort of the irrational, I don't say irrational hate, but there's that, oh, Grant Williams, every time he's out there, bad thing, because I don't know why people want to pick on him when he's had the year he's had. But you can't be, you started by running all these numbers. Okay, we've run the Celtics win-loss record. And Mm -hmm. they've been the best team, the content of their body of work, best in the NBA in the last 30 games. It's not even close crazy, like double digit scoring differential over this time. They're running over. That doesn't happen unless a lot of guys are playing really well. That that's, that's how this works. And so I, I, unsung hero, I think to some degree, largely a lot of the guys have been unsung. I'm not sure. I think people who watch this team can appreciate also, you're not going to have a lot of unsung heroes when you're only playing eight guys every night, yeah. uh, which is sort of <laughs> locked you know, in that playoff rotation early. Right. And if you look at the schedule, this is sort of the time to do it. We're in an odd time now where the Celtics basically have one game in six days. Uh, it's a big game, but it's, it's one game. There was a really – that January, that San Antonio game, which was the bad loss at home to the All-Star break, that was a scramble. That was mm-hmm. 20-something games in six weeks. It was a rough go. But now it, it eases up sort of a little bit, uh, you know, going forward and you have more time and you can play. Eight guys. And it, of all the things we talk about with Jason Tatum, one thing that gets ignored is the Doc Rivers thing about his favorite ability being availability. Mm-hmm. And that's You not only have all the other superstar elements you have in him, the fact that you are you can write his name in a lineup card every night and you get 36, 38 minutes every single night. There's a reason he's number two or three in the league in scoring with the Rosen and Trey Young because he's out there. And that's significant too. So as long as you can get away with the eight guys here, uh, for this period of time and give Al that occasional rest and one out of every three games, you get 25 year old Al, like you got against Memphis and mm-hmm. 
that's a sight to see. So, uh, but I think really what all this is is probably the one guy we haven't mentioned in all this time talking, which is that when the most improved player voting is done, it's time to talk about Rob Williams. He's got to be in this, in this conversation because he's a player who is literally forced his way onto other teams scouting reports because he changes the game on both ends of the floor. And that lob play has become the bread and butter to the point where I've said over and over again, it's almost like they're clowning him. Like now they just, it's like throw it somewhere near the rim on Causeway street yeah. and see if Rob can go get it from there. Like those passes have to be better to make it easier for Rob to finish those plays. But offensively and defensively, you notice when he's not in the game. Well, and somebody, I think it was Tony Maz, if I remember right, had, had tweeted yesterday. Mr. Hoops. What's that? Mr. Hoops. That's yeah, Mr. I always Hoops. Text him. I say, hey, Mr. He tweet, Hoops. Yeah, well, oh, exactly. But he tweeted something out like, man, like this, this Celtics interior defense is, you know, better than it's been in years or something like that. And so like a jerk, I quote tweeted like, well, you know, what, when you got Robert Williams actually available and playing and playing 30 minutes a night, like yep. this is exactly what is supposed to happen. You know, this is like those of us that have been, you know, obviously like Forsberg gets a lot of credit for being the guy at, at, at the front of the line, you know, president of the fan club. But for those of us, you know, who for years have been just like, you know, trumpeting the Rob Williams horn of like, please God, like, you know, just, just so long as this guy can stay on the floor, watch out. Now we're seeing it. And this it's, it's, to, to call it a difference maker would be selling it short. What did I say on the, uh, on the telecast of one of the, one of the games I did on TV was scout, find someone who loves you the way Forsberg loves Rob Williams, <laughs> and you'll be happy in your life. You know, and he's, listen, he's a hardworking kid. Availability was an issue. Like that was a, is he going to be one of those that, you know, obviously he doesn't have the traditional center body. Guess what? There's no tradition. This is the new NBA. Mm-hmm. Rob Williams is a, you know, as a center in today's NBA. And there are very few nights where there's a Nurkic on the other side or Stephen Adams on the, on the other side, who's going to put a big giant body on you. It doesn't happen a lot. And so, you know, you get away on those nights, you still have Al and Daniel Tice, by the way, speaking of unsung heroes, but Daniel Tice coming off milk carton last night to have to play <laughs> 14, 15 minutes and really, you know, give the Celtics the same effort that he gave two, three years ago, that just in the blink of an eye is the plug in. That was a nice addition too, because in a playoff series against Joel Embiid or wherever this thing is headed, you know, in, in six weeks, which we have no earthly idea, you know, then Daniel Tice is going to be called on to play some minutes here. The uh, potential elephant in the room anyway is uh, obviously, you know, wing depth. Are, are you concerned right now? Again, we, as we sit here, it looks like hopefully, I mean, the Celtics aren't always fully upfront about this stuff, but it looks like Jason uh, or Jalen Brown's uh, injury isn't too serious. And again, hopefully he's available on Sunday. That would be the best case scenario. Uh, Aaron Neesmith didn't look as good. Obviously he was uh, helped off the floor by a couple of teammates and which sucks, you know, for so many reasons among them that he was just finally about to get a, you know, a real opportunity with, with, with the starters and, and see if there's something there and, and obviously goes down almost instantly. And uh, I don't want to project that his season's over, but it, you know, it, it looks like we're not going to see him for a little while. Are you concerned about wing depth for this group right now? I'd be concerned about depth at every position for every team because of this crazy <laughs> season that it has been. And that's going to tell the story, right? Like, as I said earlier, who's really going to be available when it comes to, to playoff time. Uh, I think that's an issue, you know, get, listen, sh- find me shooting now just can't have enough and that's all of a sudden hey nick nick stauskas has two crazy games in the g league bang here's nick stauskas because you yeah. need guys who can who can shoot and as long as you can empty your clown car 
with shooters, which again, that's Brooklyn was counting on having Joe Harris back is another one. Cause remember we're going to be playing significant minutes in theory with Ben Simmons out there. So you need a bunch of shooters and the Celtics will need that too. You know, when Rob Williams is out there, have as many guys you can, who can shoot. So uh, I think you got to be concerned about it. I don't see a lot of stuff. Everyone's oh, the buyout market, buyout market, the buyout market becomes like supermarket sweep. Suddenly you're shoving things in your grocery cart that you didn't really want in the first place. Like there's that, that rarely the solution to your championship dreams rarely slides through in the, you know, a Sam Cassell that happens once in a, you know, forever. I was driving down the street at the all-star game and seeing PJ Brown on the, on the street and begging him to come join your team. That stuff doesn't happen, you know, in this, in this day and age, it's about this, the Celtics will go as far as the Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum is this group, that core group is going to carry them. And then you just, you pack your bench with as much shooting and the next Stauskas of the world that you can find and hope that you have enough. Well, we've gone for about an hour. We, I've got so many more things on my list that we could continue to do, but I, I have to be pick, pick your uh, favorite. Well, well, no, I want to, I want to be somewhat, uh, you know, uh, what's, what's the, what's the word that I'm looking for? Uh, aware at least of the fact that, uh, you know, I mean, some people don't listen beyond 30 minutes, probably, let alone an hour to keep you here for an hour and a half. We only get the diehards oh, no, still I, with us right this, now. Sean. This is just procrastinating for me when I do this. I've got to go <laughs> run. I've got to go do my run. and I don't want to. So to me, it's like, what are the things like, where do you like rank when we have talk- both head on? It's the same thing. You guys, where do you time. where do you rank talking to Adam on your list of things to do. Well, it may not be that high in the grand scheme of life, but it's better than going to running. It's better than running. Cold. So it's, it's like, I just put it off and like, Hey, what else do you want to talk about? Let's talk about, <laughs> let's talk about doing TV and let's talk about cancel culture. And let's talk about whatever. Yeah. Like, you're just killing times so that eventually I got to get my old body. As you like to point out the long time voice in <laughs> Celtics and get it, get it cranking out in the, out in the cold. I never said when you started, maybe you started at 15. Yeah, it has been. I mean, next year it's it's crazy to think. Next year is my 25th year in the league, and there'll be a point mathematically if I go a couple more years, well, it'll be half of my. You know, because obviously I just had a big birthday a couple months ago, and it'll be approaching the point where like half of my life, literally half of my life, will be have been spent. Is that like uh, is it like Max? You know, winning Finals MVP? Do they give you a watch for that? Like, what do you get for twenty? Or I think it's like Coach of the Month, (laughs) Starbucks. Gift certificate discount. You know, you know where I will end though, which wasn't even on my list, but uh, you know, check, checking out your Twitter reminded me. Obviously, it's uh, it, it, in, in talking about not being exclusive to this podcast. You also have a podcast, which is the View from the Raptors podcast that you do with the Celtics. I know you had Derek White on the show, uh, this most recent show, and probably had a great conversation with him. I assume. What uh, what, what do you want to leave the people with in terms of uh, your excitement with that show? Well, I think that's just been a, you know, the, the Celtics, it was a matter of time before we as an organization sort of like took those first steps right into the, into the podcasting world. And there's just more access to guests and to storytelling that you would like to do at a higher, you know, at a, at a, at a big time level. If you just do it once in a while, you don't have a ton of episodes. So, uh, and we're, you know, we're feeling it out with Mark and with Abby. And obviously we had Perk last year and yep. uh, of all the things I would not have been able to predict in my life, Perk becoming one of the faces and voices of the NBA yep. is not something I would have guessed if you spent the first, you know, the first couple of years around him. Obviously, I always had the personality, but that's really amazing uh, what's happened with that. I think, I don't know if I'm supposed to be breaking this news or not, but I think you're going to have, I believe, there is a scalp Perk game uh, that uh, NBC Boston is going to do. Oh, I like that. 
be uh, fascinating to listen to for a variety of uh, a variety of reasons. But podcast is yeah, fun. I've enjoyed. Listen, whenever I get in a in a public hours. setting like this with, with fans, I you know I play the hardcore smartass card a lot. But I don't think for a second I didn't genuinely appreciate the comments for sliding over and doing TV. You know, it's I I serve at the pleasure of the president of the Celtics. So whatever they want me to do, I'll do with it. So TV, radio, whatever it is. But uh, you know, I, I think everyone knows my affection for Abby and two names you don't know: Paul Lucy and Jim Edmonds, the producer and director of that telecast. Who've been doing it for years, and it's one of the best in the league. And uh, you know, I do appreciate. It. I know it's not the way of social media. Your guy backed out of two lanes of traffic into that loading dock, and it was perfect. And I just wanted to call and. Tell- tell you that that's not like the progressive commercials with the right the exactly your parents at the deli counter kind of thing exactly right so uh, those, are, those are brilliant by the way they are it's they're like, so good they catch you if you're a dad yeah uh, you know if a young person as i am now and you get to a certain age you have to catch yourself now because those progressive commercials yeah. like, uh, uh, don't say <laughs> don't talk about the parking or don't talk about because there are you do as a dad particularly like i was flying with my son came with me on the trip to detroit and indiana whatever and you're just constantly in that some look how see they line the planes up here and that's because they i'm like wait a minute i'm turning into a progressive commercial yeah you want to teach the kids stuff but yeah you don't want to be uh that guy in the hey you know what kind of fish that is come on don't be coy uh like Uh, you want to avoid that if whatever possible but uh and all the you know in the podcasts and the selfish podcasts and doing tv and doing radio and doing all the other stuff it's been especially trying two years to try and do this job properly and so you know, Max and I and Scal and I and Abby and I and Mike and everybody, we're just trying to pump out the uh, the content and make it as normal as we can. I think that's been the goal for the last uh, two years. Well, once again, this show brought to you by betonline.ag. Go to betonline.ag today. Use the promo code CLNS50 for a 50% welcome bonus. And as I always tell people, way too late in the program, rate, review, subscribe, find us on iTunes and uh you know, be the loyal listeners that you are. We greatly appreciate it. Whether you're uh, listening somewhere, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever it is, Twitter, or, uh, you know, watching along on YouTube and getting to see us, we uh, we do appreciate that. So again, Evan, our producer, not with us for this show, but still be behind the scenes doing his thing. He'll be back with us next week. Uh, I'm Adam Kaufman, of course, Sean Grandy. Always appreciate when uh, w- when you do put off running to join us here. You're welcome to come with me whenever you want to. Uh, no, but I'll, I'll catch up with you on, on both ends. We'll, bu- we'll bookmark the run. That'll be great. Excellent. I'll send you the uh, the Apple Watch uh, you know, the run stats. Please do. See, an- an- another set of stats that you can tweet out in, in exactly. the middle of the day. I'm not like Paul Flannery. I'm not like tweeting out my run stats. <laughs> All right. That's, that's been Celtics, people. See you guys next week.